One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Stonehenge is a prehistoric stone circle that dates back thousands upon thousands of years, a monument that was probably constructed for religious and cultural or maybe maybe even astronomic purposes. Um, although, to be honest, we're not quite sure why it was built, and we may never fully understand its purpose. Stonehenge is obviously an immensely famous monument. It's found in the UK, uh, to the south of England, uh, west-southwest uh, west of London. And it's one of the oldest structures on the face of the Earth, uh, with the stone circle itself roughly the same age as the Great Pyramid of Giza, around four and a half thousand years old. And um, there are several truly remarkable things about it. It is far, far more than just a, a ruined circle of old stones. Uh, for one, its construction was sophisticated and very deliberate. Stonehenge is built in alignment with the summer solstice, uh, when you stand in its centre and look through a gap in the stones known as the Avenue, uh, the sun rises over over one particular stone called the Heel Stone, and it only does this on the summer solstice, which obviously is not an accident. Actually, well, actually, it doesn't rise exactly over the Heel Stone. Um, that's what a lot of people say happens, but it's not quite the truth uh, because there used to be another stone that was sat right next to the Heel Stone and the sun would rise between these two stones on the solstice. But as the other stone has since been removed, uh, people tend to shortcut by saying the the sun rises exactly over the Heel Stone. It doesn't. So, look, there's a nice little will actually to kick things off with here. I, I know everyone's a big fan of that sort of thing. Anyway, all these massive stones that make up Stonehenge, they were moved into position using what was at the time extremely advanced construction technology. We don't think much of, of this sort of thing these days. We've got our cranes and our diggers and our other mechanised machinery. But Stonehenge bears evidence of being built with techniques that aren't seen on any other prehistoric monuments like it on Earth. And on top of all of this, it's actually something of a mystery as to how whoever built Stonehenge got the stones there in the first place. Um, all of these stones were, were somehow transported across great distances. Most of them came from a quarry about 25 kilometres away. Uh, but some of them, some of these stones came from Wales, over 250 kilometres away. And it is uh, very mysterious as to how this... Well, no, it's not really that mysterious as to how the stones got there. They were pushed or pulled or dragged or whatever. But it's mysterious as to why people went so much effort to bring these stones over such a great distance to build Stonehenge. We still don't fully understand exactly why Stonehenge was built in the place that it was. And also, as we'll talk about a little bit later on in the episode, for what purpose? But uh, before we talk about the actual stone circle itself, we can have a quick chat about the location where you find Stonehenge, the area around this uh, this monument. Um, this, this land was used by people of the late Neolithic period, around 5,000 years ago, uh, perhaps as a place for cremation and burial. Inside a large circular enclosure that went on to surround Stonehenge, um, archaeologists have found ancient digging tools, mostly picks made from deer antlers. Um, they've been excavated from the 
deep pits that were dug. Uh, these pits are called the Aubrey Holes, named after John Aubrey, the bloke who identified them back in the 17th century. And uh, inside them, we found the remains of animals. We found cremated human remains. Uh, these are some of the sorts of things that have been uncovered from the ground underneath uh, underneath Stonehenge. And additionally, before work began on Stonehenge proper in around 2500 BCE, the heel stone was placed. This is the stone I mentioned before, the one above which the sun almost rises on the on the summer solstice. The heel stone is enormous. It's absolutely huge. You can look at pictures of it online and you just won't get a sense of how big this thing is. It's almost five metres high from the ground. But then, in, in addition to that, there's another 1.2 metres of it buried underneath the surface. This thing weighs about 35 tonnes. That's around 25 Toyota Corollas. And it would have been transported over 25 kilometres to get to where it is today. A massive undertaking and just one of the many, many stones that make up Stonehenge, as we'll talk about. When you think about the, the, the logistics of moving a stone this big, such a great distance, in a time before horses were domesticated in Britain, in a time before they had things like carts and, and, and cartwheels... Massive stones like the heel stone had to be pushed or pulled or dragged by people, um, maybe on log runners or maybe on greased sleds. But uh, when you think about what actually went into these stones being put where they are today, um, the construction of the whole monument here is an absolutely incredible feat, as, uh, as again, we'll, we'll get into as we talk about the, the construction of the stone circle itself which happened during the most important phase of Stonehenge's construction, uh, a period, again, around about 2500 BCE, between 2600 and 2400 BCE. It's, it's difficult to get a very accurate beat on exactly when this took place, but that's the rough time period we're working, uh, working with here. And it's during this period that the bulk of the monument was put together, most notably the outer circle and the inner trilithons. Construction on this outer stone circle itself began with the stones being dragged over 25 kilometres, same as the heel stone, before being worked and shaped and then put in holes that had been dug to house them. The outer circle of Stonehenge is made up of 30 upright stones, which, when Stonehenge was first built, would have had lintel stones laid across them. Um, horizontally, they were held in place with little grooves and joints, and uh, while there are still a few of these lintel stones up on top of the upright stones of the outer circle, most have since fallen to the ground. So um, Stonehenge doesn't look anywhere near as complete as it would have when this stone circle had its lintel stones going all the way around it in one continuous circle that you could uh, you could walk you could walk underneath these lintel stones between the upright stones. Um, all of these uh, standing stones from the outer circle are a pretty consistent height. They're just over four metres tall and they weigh 25 tonnes each. That's almost 18 Toyota Corollas apiece. And again, they were somehow transported a distance of over 25 kilometres before being set up. The lintel stones on top of them uh, are a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter, and they were—they're were all shaped. They were—they were given a slightly curved shape, so when they were sat on top of the uh, the standing stones, they formed a nice, neat circle together. Inside of this outer ring is another, much smaller stone ring uh, made up of chunks of bluestone. Now, these bluestone chunks are smaller, but when I say smaller, they're still like two tons each. And what's even more remarkable about these stones, the, the blue stones, they were transported from Wales over 250 kilometres away. Now, sure, they only weigh two tons. That's still one and a bit Toyota Corollas. And it's not as if you can drive a two ton lump of blue stone. 
It is possible that these uh, these bits of bluestone came from another slightly closer stone circle that had been disassembled. But even so, it's still a huge distance to drag all of these rocks over the years, all the way from Wales. Anyway, inside of uh, this inner bluestone ring, there are five trilithons. These are the things I mentioned before. Two massive standing stones with a lintel stone placed across uh, across the two of them, like an upside down U. Now, unlike the outer ring, these lintel stones didn't link up with one another. They sit atop two individual standing stones. And these five trilithons, they make up a horseshoe shape, uh, again, inside the, inside the outer circle and arranged around the circle's centre. Uh, these stones that make up the trilithons are even bigger than the ones in the outer ring, between six and seven metres tall if measured from the ground. Uh, another two and a half metres of these stones is buried beneath the ground, keeping them in place. And these stones weigh up to 50 tonnes each. That is 36 Toyota Corollas. Some of them have decorative carvings on them. Um, There's actually only one trilithon that is standing fully intact with its lintel today. The others have have fallen over or been damaged or or actually just pillaged. Um, Some of the stone from from Stonehenge is thought to have been taken uh, for use in other buildings that that were built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Anyway, I mentioned that these inner stones, they formed a horseshoe, right? The opening of this horseshoe points to the east, creating the avenue I mentioned before, uh, down which the rising sun shines on the on the summer solstice. And in this way, Stonehenge is essentially really a calendar, uh, as weird as it sounds. It, it obviously doesn't tell you exactly which day of the year it is, but it can tell you if it's the summer solstice or not. And if you keep track of that, well, then you've got a way to consistently and accurately measure the, the passage of time as long as it's not cloudy, that is. But all of these stones, uh, they were put into place between 2600 and 2400 BCE during what is referred to as Stonehenge's second stage. And this, uh, as distinct from all of the other stages, is definitely the most significant part of the monument's construction. In the centuries that followed, there were other smaller stages. Small changes were made. Stones were brought in or taken away or worked or shaped and carved. Um, But broadly speaking, when you think of Stonehenge, you think of the ruins of what was built during this 200-year period around 2500 BCE, four and a half thousand years ago. Now, the monument did have other aspects to it as well. Back in the day, at one point, it was dotted with timber posts that were set in the ground. Uh, These posts are thought to have had an astronomical function, tracking the moon across the sky and things like that. But obviously, wood doesn't quite weather the millennia like stone does. uh, And so all that remains are the remnants, the indications of the, the, the holes that were dug for these posts. Uh, But most of it, most of Stonehenge, most of what's left of it is made up, of course, of these stones dragged across the countryside and arranged in a circle, which raises the question, why? Why was Stonehenge built and what was it for? The short answer is that we don't know for sure. The people who built it left no written records behind. And so we have no idea what exactly the purpose of Stonehenge was. Now, of course, there are plenty of theories, and many of these theories are very plausible. We can run through uh, some of them quickly here. Firstly, as we've touched upon, Stonehenge very likely served an astronomical function uh, as a prehistoric observatory, or at the very least acting, as I said, as a basic and rudimentary calendar to mark the solstices. And this may have played into its other functions. It's likely to have had deep cultural significance. It may have been a place where ceremonies or or festivities were held. And uh, not too dissimilar from the idea of it having an enormous cultural significance, it may have also been a religious site, a place to worship or or pay respects to the ancestors, somewhere that played host to religious rites or, or rituals. And additionally, 
um, and probably in support of uh, this this idea that it had religious significance, um, there's indication that Stonehenge may have been a place of healing as well, because burial remains around the site indicate that quite a number of people who were laid to rest there were unwell. They had some sort of grievance or ailment or were, uh, were in other way, in, in some form, not in good nick. And so maybe they, they went to Stonehenge seeking healing, seeking treatment before ultimately, sadly, dying. And on top of all of these uh, these theories, um, I think it's very probable that Stonehenge was just built to look nice, um, which is obviously more than enough of a reason to build a monument. Uh, it might have been a landmark built to commemorate something. It might have had all of these other special significances. But the fact of the matter is it was built in a way that is very aesthetically pleasing. It was nice and neat uh, and, and as... We'll discover as we talk about all these other monuments from throughout history, its aesthetic value is something that should not be overlooked. It may have been one of the reasons, after all, that this thing was built in the first place. Anyway, Stonehenge's original purpose was very likely a combination of some or even all of these things. Uh, But whatever the case, it was obviously a very important monument because people don't drag hundreds of tons of stone across the country just for the hell of it. But then again, according to all the wackos out there, people didn't drag hundreds of tons of stone across the country just for the hell of it. Uh, there are all sorts of other theories about Stonehenge, um, uh, the ones brought out by, you know, the, the Tinfoil Hat Brigade. And look, I'll, make, I'll let you make up your own mind about them. Uh, but these alternative theories uh, suggest that Stonehenge was not built by, uh, by human labour, that it was built by the wizard Merlin for King Arthur or that it was built by aliens as a landing area for their spaceships, you know, that sort of thing. But no, look, we can disregard these theories pretty safely. Um, Stonehenge was instead an organised, deliberate, and for the time, very sophisticated undertaking, resulting in one of the world's most famous prehistoric monuments. In time, Stonehenge fell out of use. It's estimated towards the uh, the Iron Age. People stopped using it for whatever they had been using it. And uh, after that, it just chilled out. It just watched the centuries pass without anything particularly notable happening to it. People knew about it, of course, um, but it didn't really attract all that much attention uh, throughout the classical and medieval periods, apart from, you know, opportunistic stonemasons who saw it as a way to easily access some high-quality stone rather than going to a quarry. But then... In the early modern period, uh, people began to take a much closer interest in Stonehenge, and it, it has, it's been pretty consistently studied since the 17th century. Even today, archaeologists continue to research and study and excavate the site, learning new things about it all the time. And also, very interestingly, Stonehenge has been somewhat repaired and restored. If you go online and have a look at some photos that were taken of it in the 19th century, in the late 19th century, there are photos that you can compare to what it looks like today. And you can see that stones have been moved and straightened and neatened up. And while it is still very obviously a ruin, it's not quite as ruined as it was beforehand. After being privately owned for almost 400 years, the land around the monument became the property of the British government in 1918. And around this time, buildings and roads were sprouting up around the monument. And so a concerted effort was made by early conservationists to prevent this. And happily, the buildings were all ultimately removed, but the roads weren't. And even today, when you visit Stonehenge, the experience is somewhat compromised by the fact that there is a busy highway less than 200 metres away from it. 
the British government today is is currently in the midst of attempting to begin work on a road tunnel that will go that will go underneath Stonehenge instead. Uh, but this plan also has significant opposition from conservation and heritage groups. The custodianship of, of Stonehenge remains very controversial. I visited myself, and I honestly don't think the British have done the best job that they could, especially with a noisy highway just across from it. But uh, they do take steps to preserve the monument in its current form. You can't get anywhere near Stonehenge these days. Um, There's a a rope set around it at at quite a great distance. You can only walk around the outside of the rope. Uh, All the tourists there, they play this fun game where uh, they try to time their photos of Stonehenge so that the people on the other side of the monument are hidden behind the stone. So it looks like you're there by yourself. Um, but uh, there are those who do actually have proper access to Stonehenge, although on a very, very highly regulated basis. And it's not just the archaeologists. Stonehenge is used as a place of religious celebration by neo-pagans who campaigned for a very long time to gain proper access to the monument for events like the summer solstice. Although this wasn't always the case. There were violent police crackdowns on worshippers in the 1980s, which resulted in the monument being closed off altogether for a time. But today, it is possible to access Stonehenge um, through the heavy regulation put uh, put on the monument. And every year, there are large gatherings at Stonehenge to mark events like the, the summer solstice. And while it's not completely clear exactly how true these modern gatherings are to the ancient celebrations that may have been held at Stonehenge, the fact remains that even four and a half thousand years after its stones were somehow dragged across the country and put into position, Stonehenge remains to this day a monument of immense importance. And if indeed Stonehenge was used as a place of celebration all those millennia ago, Just think about the person who came up with the idea to build it. As the truly wonderful Bill Bryson once put it, can you imagine trying to talk 600 people into helping you drag a 50-ton stone 18 miles across the countryside and muscle it into an upright position and then saying, right, lads, another 20 like that, and then we can party. Party. 